Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Women's Workshop. Um, I'm Ella Samuel, founder of the Women's Workshop, and this is my co-host Immy, for those of you who don't know. Hi, I'm Immy Middy. I'm an electronic musician and composer, and I've been helping Ella out with the project. So a few housekeeping bits just to keep you up to date on everything that's going on in the Women's Workshop. Uh, For those of you who don't know what the Women's Workshop is, we're an online community dedicated to supporting female artists. Um, So at the moment, we've got a great competition going on on our Instagram, which is at the women's underscore workshop. Uh, The competition is an ugly art competition. Uh, We've currently had about six entries, I think, and it's co-hosted by Quirky Buns. So that's Quirky, Q-U-I-R-K-Y-B-U-N-S. It's been a long day. I almost didn't know how to spell that. And she's giving away an amazing pair of earrings to the winner. So please do get involved if, if you want to. And if you don't know what Ugly Art is, we have a highlight on our Instagram. So just go check it out. Yeah, the competition so far, all of the entries have been absolutely disgusting and I've loved all of them. Oh, I just don't know how we're going to be able to pick because we have quite a few mediums as well, which I'm quite excited about because we've had a lot of illustrators, which is great because I love illustrators, but we've had like sculpture entries, collage entries, uh, painting entries. I'm just off. I just I hope a few more people enter as well because it's just so exciting looking at what people come up with because it's very much up to interpretation as well. Yeah, I really want to see like some some uh, ugly poetry. That'd be really fun. Oh yeah, I, to be fair, we should probably make that clearer. If you are a poet and you want to do some ugly poetry, that can also be, you know, like that is art. So feel free to enter with that. Um, also, uh, our upcoming podcast next week is going to be with Jackie, known as Soy Mistake. So that's S-O-Y-M-I-S-T-A-K-E. She's an amazing illustrator on Instagram and we're going to be chatting with her next week. So we've got that to look forward to. Um, But tonight we will be interviewing Sasha Smith, who's known as Mystic Illustrations on Instagram um, and just talking to her about her work and her illustrations. So are there any other housekeeping bits we need to get on with? Yeah, Um, just quickly say if you do want to get onto the podcast and talk about yourself and your art and answer a big question that needs to be talked about in the arts world, you can DM the Women's Workshop Instagram or you can DM me at Amy Middy on Instagram and we'll figure something out. And also the website is being built. It will be finished on the 7th of April. So put that in your diaries and get ready to come onto the website and see how gorgeous it actually is going to be. And we're also going to be opening up to people who want to write blogs or write content for it. Feel free to contact us. Uh, we really want it to be like a collaborative community project. Like we couldn't do this without you. So uh, we hope you look forward to that. And I think we should dive into the interview with Sasha. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm so excited to like get into it and have a lovely chat with you both. So like first things first, how are you doing? How have you been coping during lockdown? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Um, It's taken a lot of adapting, definitely. Um, Especially with like my own productivity, like that's something that I really struggled with at the start. And it fits into the like, the subject that we're going to go into but pressure and like around that pressure internally and externally like being able to manage that balance and kind of understand that you know obviously it would be great if we could do a million different things right now but that is like virtually impossible because (laughs) we've got like real life and our interests so yeah that's definitely been one thing I've struggled with um but yeah I'm like definitely getting there and ready to hopefully come out on the other side oh good well we're so glad to have you here thank you for coming on again oh it's my pleasure I'm so excited (laughs) (laughs) it's going to be a great time for for all of us certainly Mm -hmm. so our first question is to tell us a little bit about your um about you and how you became interested in illustration and art in general well um I'm based in Brighton currently um but I'm from the Isle of Wight like a 
tiny little island at the bottom of the UK. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. It was, it's a really sheltered place. I'm so glad I moved off there, to be very honest. Um, but yeah, as soon as, I never really knew what I wanted to do. It was something that I really struggled with, like in the first few, well, in the first year of living in Brighton, I lived with people who were at university. So they were really aware of what they wanted to do and how they wanted to get there. Whereas like, I'd only really worked in my teens and, I hadn't like had any A-levels or anything like that. So I didn't really know what my interests were or what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. Um, so as soon as like I moved to Brighton and saw the creativity everywhere and like meeting new people, I finally found that my main goal was that I wanted to do something that I loved. Like I never wanted to get like 10 years down the line and be miserable in my job. That was just like the one goal that I knew that I wanted to hopefully like fulfill in the future yeah. so um I basically like I got to a point where I wrote a list and I was like these are the things that I enjoy doing and that I like and it was something like singing <laughs> um uh like hand lettering baking and then one of them well there wasn't even an illustration on that it was hand lettering that initially got me into it and then yeah one day like I drew some Disney characters and then from then I just never stopped drawing. Oh, that's so lovely. It, what, what is the Brighton art scene like? I've heard it's amazing down there. It's lovely. Like we have like a fringe festival here, like every oh, year. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, like in Edinburgh. So that's really good. Um, and also what they'll do like at the same time as fringe is they'll do like a um, open house festival. So basically what that is, is like, literal people's houses in Brighton uh -huh. if there's like an artist that lives there they will open up their house and you can literally like walk into their home and they'll do an exhibition in their home like I remember one time I walked like up these stairs and I walked into like a garage kind of place and you walk up these stairs and they literally had their washing like hung like <laughs> in their backyard and you had to like walk through the washing and then it was just like this guy was there and he was like a fashion designer and all of his like fashion illustrations were on the walls and it was just like it was a, such an amazing experience like being in someone's home in their creative yeah. space like oh. it was something that I'd never experienced before so yeah it's incredible it's lovely it's really interesting you should mention that because last time I was in Brighton I didn't even realize it was somebody's house I just thought it was a really really weird theater <laughs> like it was just a really homey theater and i saw a um like a full-on i think they were doing um chicago i saw the full chicago musical but all done by drag kings and oh, drag yeah. queens and i was so confused by the setting but it that now you said that it turns out it must have been somebody's house <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, when I went to a music festival in Iceland, like their music festivals aren't like out in the middle of a field. They just have it pop up like all over Reykjavik. And I went to see a band like in a winter sports shop. They just have like shops, like random little like cafes, sports shops, and like just bands would pop up there. And one year they actually had them play in a shipping container like down by the docks. That's so cool. I see, stuff like that. that I love, like yeah. not the normal setting. We want something out like something weird and wonderful yeah. that's what i love <laughs> yeah. and i think it's a bit more like casual and more approachable as well because like i do love going to galleries but i think there can be like sort of pretentiousness and it can feel quite cold in a gallery you know whereas like if you go into yeah. like someone's home or like a little studio or somewhere quite intimate i feel like you can almost like connect with the art a bit better how would you describe your artistic style like in your illustrations I think it's changed a lot recently like this is like something that I um, definitely want to speak about and like I started off when I started my Instagram um, and like it would be like I would draw I would just draw my days that's how I started off like I would draw like what I ate and what I did and what I drank just like little things like that and then I really got into the um like process of just drawing portraits and it would just be of like white pretty skinny woman and like the more i done that the more i kind of fell out of love with it 
and I don't think it really like it doesn't represent me either or like my beliefs or my interests so yeah I really had a turning point recently where I started to understand that I want to speak about a lot more important things I want to illustrate things and experience that I have been through and talk about things that are currently being spoke about and need to be amplified um so yeah I've it's difficult to like really pin it down to like one thing but I think I like to uplift people I like to make people smile I'm quite a positive person and like upbeat so I like to put that into my art and it also to be like quite soft as well and um approachable so oh no I very much get that from your work like every time I see you post something I'm like oh it just brings me so much happiness they're just very like fluffy happy like I don't know they just like transport you to like a place of peace (laughs) yeah it's very that's amazing it's very um kawaii aesthetic yes yes I am definitely kawaii I don't know what that is I'm sorry it's Japanese for cute Ella (laughs) oh okay okay I'm sorry yeah I yeah that's amazing that you picked that up because I am massively massively inspired by a lot of um Japanese like artists and um like woodcuts as well like Hiroshigi I don't know if you've heard of him but like he was amazing um so yeah I'm definitely massively inspired by like Japanese culture so I was looking at some of your pieces and they remind me of I'm gonna butcher her name now Karu Karu Pampayu he's a j-pop star who is just the sh- most sugary sweet music ever okay i'm gonna have to try and listen to that that sounds amazing i'll send you a link yes please thank you <laughs> so i'm backtracking a bit here but i was just gonna go back to what you were saying about how you used to draw things sort of like everyday things i absolutely mm. love that because i listen to that a lot in music as well like you know songs that are just like sort of edgy art girl music i call it where they're like yeah yeah i'll just be like i went to the store and like i bought a donut and it was great i don't know it's just something like really like relatable and chilled out about it like yeah that's literally what i used to draw and it was so much fun then like this is what like i said that i you know wanted to speak about about like the pressures of instagram but i do think that's what kind of like at one point like derailed me from my like authentic style my authentic self like I became like to follow my influences when then I suddenly realized that that wasn't me and that wasn't my authentic self and I'm recently coming back to that which feels really good yeah yeah that actually feeds into our next question a little bit because I suppose you were chasing trends then on the next question Mm. is are there any current trends in illustration that you've noticed and there are any that you like to look into yeah I think like um like artivism that's massively come up so like being um active like throughout our art and being able to speak about important conversations through illustrations to make it more approachable for people um i think that's really important and i think that's like where a lot of conversations can start as well because it seems more approachable and maybe not as scary to people to have that conversation so yeah i think like starting to open up about things that maybe I wouldn't previously because of what I've seen. So like one of a few people that I follow and are now my influence, like people that I find inspire me, they speak about things that I would previously may have seen as like too personal. But now I know that it's such a great way to like express yourself and show who you are and have an honest conversation with your followers and people around you. So yeah I think like I'm definitely falling into that and starting to do that and I find it a great way to like express myself. I think it's really important to talk about things that are a bit uncomfortable as well because I think we always think like it's always just us going through something or you feel like very Mm -hmm. alone when you go through like a mental health issue or something else going on in your life and like whether it's art or music or like whatever well sorry music is art but (laughs) whatever it is (laughs) I feel like it but it gives you that sense of community that does make you feel better about a certain issue because you feel like there are people supporting you with it. Yeah, I'm going to use my favourite sentence ever. As a trans woman, <laughs> um, there's like so much... <laughs> you need that sense of community, and I think anybody who's a part of an oppressed um, minority or an oppressed group needs the sense of community, and they need something to funnel all the hate and sympathy and whatever you get into it, and 
creativity is the perfect way to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's something that I've learned, like within the last few months from like people that I've met on Instagram, which has been like a complete godsend for me. Like the community that I have started to like create is so beautiful. And I think if I didn't have this, if I didn't have this platform, like I would hope that I'd still learn what I've learned today. But like the, the people who have opened up to me and told me their stories and have made me understand like, you know, different people's lives and different people's struggles. It's so beautiful and it inspires you in a completely different way to what maybe like an orange would or something, you know? <laughs> uh, so on to the next question. I think we've already sort of touched on this, but are there any other styles that you're thinking of like venturing into or other styles that you like, but you feel like you can't venture into? Oh, that is a good question. Uh, I'm add a little twist to the question. Any other mediums on, as well? So not just illustration, oh. maybe like collage. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> I do like, I crochet. So I do crochet quite a lot. I love, I've made like a cardigan and bits like that. And I, like, so recently I've had tendonitis in my wrist and it's come up quite a lot and what I have to do then is take a step away from drawing which is really difficult because like I said it took me such a long time to find this passion that I never thought I'd have and having to take a step back like it has made me have to look into different things and yeah I think like having more like feasible things like to hold in your hand so like a lot of my art right now is digital so I think right now like I'm starting to go more down the traditional side of things and starting to try like pencils and paint and stuff like that which has been really fun and it's been really nice to kind of actually have it physically there rather than just like drawing on the screen. Um, well that sort of touches on a question I was gonna ask but seeing as you brought it up I'll ask what software do you actually use to create your drawings or like what what do you use to make them? So I use an iPad and an Apple Pencil and I use um, Procreate, which is like the best system I've ever used. I did like start my digital on a laptop and I was using like Illustrator and Photoshop, which are really good systems. Um, but I found like with my ADHD as well, I find it a lot easier to be able to visualize like I was saying earlier. So like, and being able to see it as I draw it. So like, if you're doing it on illustrator for example you've got to watch the screen but you can't like watch what you're drawing you've got to watch the screen and then draw at the same time which like my coordination was like no yeah, <laughs> that was so difficult <laughs> yeah so the apple the apple the ipad has been like a game changer for me and that's what i use now do you do you think you prefer drawing digitally or drawing physically like with a pencil Digitally, definitely, because you can adapt it a lot more. Like it's easier to erase and go back. <laughs> digitally as well, you can add little twists and give yourself challenges, like not being able to see the color palette and what have you. Yeah, yeah, definitely, a hundred percent. And um, yeah, like I, I really benefit from. Like there was one key tip that like stuck out, and I've always remembered it is that, like when you're drawing, never erase your previous stroke so if you're if you've mis made a mistake for example and you erase that there's more of a chance that you're going to make that same mistake again because you've gotten rid of it whereas if you're like if you've drawn it and then you try drawing it again you can use your mistake as a reference to then make it better which i really benefit from like on digital you use different layers so like you can draw something and then just like turn the opacity down, go on a different layer and then work on that. So you kind of do in passes, which I really enjoy. Yeah. Well, Bob Ross said that there are no mistakes. So oh, we love Bob it. Ross. We stand with Bob Ross. <laughs> but I was going to say about the like mistake thing. Um, I feel like that about like aging. <laughs> like I feel like, you know, like we yeah. get like lines and marks and stuff. And I feel like it's like, not mistakes, but like it's a process of you aging, so you shouldn't erase it, you know, because it's just like part exactly. of the experience. Uh, yeah, and I think generally in life, like you need something to reference to, you need something to look back to, to see like, also for like an example of how you've grown, but like if you haven't got something to look back and compare to, like you're never gonna know what progress you've made. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, sorry, one last thing, and then I will let you speak of me. I was just gonna say, no. I was talking about. It's gonna uh, happen every week, isn't it? <laughs> I was talking about uh, <laughs> of age movies, um, the other week because I feel like coming of age movies really like idealize like the ages of like sixteen to eighteen, and that's like the best years of your life. And then when you get to like twenty one, like. Yeah into your 20s you're like oh my god I'm so old like there's nothing to look forward to I think like you learn so much in your teens and like you make so many mistakes I actually feel like a lot happier now than I was in my teens just mm. because I feel like you've had like more experience yeah I feel the same it may pull the face though then <laughs> I I only feel happier now because like I've come out so I feel like that's my, yeah. that's my main takeaway I was like my face was I, my face was going yeah I feel happier and then going obviously you stupid bitch <laughs> I love that. <laughs> anyway, go on right. and move on to the so, next question. Our, our next question, you mentioned before the podcast that you've started recording that you're interested in tracing. Do you just want to tell us a bit about that? Say what it is and everything? Yeah, so I just, I the conversation I think is really important right now. Like, as we are in an age where everything is quite digital based now like um you know instagram pays plays a big part in all of our businesses um and i think the conversation came up quite a lot recently because there's a lot of artists now on instagram that do trace um and it's quite clear to see like as an artist it's very easy for us to pick up when that is like being applied to people's artworks um, because some particular features won't be in place, some details won't be there. And it's very clear to see, like, I've tried to educate myself like massively on this subject so I don't hurt anyone's feelings because tracing is a learning process. Like, I don't know if either of you will remember, but like in art class, you'd get handed like tracing paper and that's like how you'd learn to draw. Um, but I think it's important to be able to Different, wait, differentiate. Differentiate. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, between tracing and maybe an illustrator or an artist who lives off of the money that they make from commissions and art that they create. I think that like you can trace absolutely. And as long as you're tracing and you're using that traced image to build up your style on top of that trace, like that's great because then you're showing your style and you're building it up and that's a learning process. But I think like if you're selling that and if someone comes to you and commissions you for tracing, I think that can become quite devalu like devaluing for illustrators or artists out there who's like grafting to get money or like clients. Um, so yeah, I just think it, it's great as a learning process. It's really important to be able to kind of take that when you need it. But I don't think it's the best way to like sell to clients. Yeah. Would you say that there's a fine line between tracing and plagiarism? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I think there was there's a lot of things where like people, for example, use like people's Instagram images. Like that happened, I think um, last year somewhere, like a really, really big account um used a person's image and then like sold on their like prints and that was definitely plagiarism like you cannot do that especially without asking for permission and when you're like directly tracing as well like it is so easy to add some touches of your own style like it's so easy like change someone's color of their hair or like add some accessories or change what they're wearing to what you'd like to wear like it is very easy to do it's not a hard quest um so yeah i definitely think there is a very very fine line but it depends on the reference image that you use at that time have you like do you use tracing at all in your work or is yours all just just you i used it as a learning process absolutely but then i would never ever sell it like that that is never something that i would do and if ever i trace at this time at like the position that i'm in right now it would only be if like i couldn't get a position right of a hand for example <laughs> or if like i got to a point where like i can't get someone's perspective right and once i've got that traced bit as well 
what I do then is I, like I said earlier, I do it in passes. So I'll take that trace bit and then I'll build up on it and add my own touches. I would never be able to like bring that trace bit into my artwork and just leave it how it is because that's just not personally something that I'd be able to do within my art. Yeah, and as you said, like it's so easy to do. Like if you think about like collage artists, like that's all like mm. images from pop culture, like images from newspapers and like yeah. they didn't make that specific image, but it's like the way they put it together, the way they construct it, the images that they choose Absolutely. that reflect them. Like it's not that hard to do really. <laughs> No, no, exactly. And I think it can be like quite hard, especially like, like I said, I think it's going to get to a point where it's going to be quite easy for people to do things like these and like sell stuff like that. Uh, but I think we need to remember like the talent that lies within some illustrators and some artists and some creatives as well that like, that's original. There's so much work that goes to people into people's art. Like, the, the initial sketch, the coloring, like the, the lining, like there's hours and hours of time that goes into people's work. And then if you see something like that doing so well in an, like in a community that you're in, it can be really deflating as an artist to see. I think as well, in, with regards to like pricing of images, like people often say they get like complaints for like, you know, selling a print for like, I don't know, 30 quid or whatever. But the reason is, is because mm -hmm. like that is like hours of your life. You would poured your heart and soul yeah, into it. So like, right. like people need to pay you yeah. for your time and your worth. Like, like even though it is partially related to skill, it's also related to the fact that you have given like all your energy into that work and like that energy yeah. be rewarded like you need you need that energy back yeah energy. you're so right energy, absolutely the energy companies do not take exposure for payment because i've no. tried that no. <laughs> <laughs> i love that i need to reuse that <laughs> right so what are the main themes would you say in your work and again i think we've touched on it a bit but if you could define say like three to five themes what would you say they were um Positivity, definitely. Uh, maybe like mental health as an umbrella term. Like I think that that's a massive part of my life. Like from childhood, from my parents, like it's been something that has taught me a lot about my life and about my particular abilities to deal with things. And like I said, this is something that like I'm trying to put into my work now and in the future a lot more yeah i think the conversation needs to be a lot wider with mental health mental illnesses and the stigma really needs to stop um i think we should be able to speak about our mental health mental illnesses just as much as we can speak about our physical health and our physical illnesses yeah do you think um if you don't mind me asking feel free not to answer but um if you have had any kind of mental health things in the past do you feel like like drawing and illustrating has helped you at all oh yeah a hundred percent it's just an escape like it's it's so the, the beauty of being able just to make up a world like to be able just to like escape, escape. take yourself yeah exactly take yourself anywhere and like you can create that anywhere which is absolutely amazing like i love everything mystic like i love like fairies and oh. mushrooms <laughs> like, oh my god I saw yeah. so many mushroom pages on instagram oh my god. Like, i love mushrooms like mushroom dresses mushroom prints yeah if i could decorate my whole room as a giant mushroom i would that would be so good that's like a good idea <laughs> actually I, that's I, you just reminded me that your work actually has a sort of cottage corey aesthetic and like some aspects of it as well i think is I love that. Thank you. Like, I just, like I said, I love everything magical and calming yeah. and like positive. That's what I love. So I absolutely love that. That's a massive compliment. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you tend to draw a lot of people within your work. Are they based on real people? Are they people you've made up? Are they you? Or well, they're just like references that um, I usually take from Pinterest. But I'll usually like consolidate a lot of different references and then I'll kind of like like I said, I like to like build up on things and then add particular things that I like the characters to have. Um, but I'm really, really working hard on inclusifying the people that I draw now and in the future as well. I think it's really important to make sure that 
in our art we're representing a massive group of people especially marginalized groups because like i said earlier like creative spaces are where like these conversations start and i think it's so important to put this in our like in our it doesn't even have to be in our style like i was thinking about this earlier and like i've looked through um art quite a lot and i feel like some people the only time that i see these like marginalized groups like represented in art it seems to be like particular people's style like that's the only thing that they draw but i think it's important to bring it into your style and just like make it part of that like it's so important so yeah that's what i'm trying to do right now but usually it's from like pinterest i'll like take references and then try and like mush them together <laughs> do you ever have like a, a muse in particular like a friend or something no not really it's usually just like random people to be honest <laughs> i've always had like because i used to do a lot of photography and i mean i just always use like my best friend at the time just because it was like yeah. like i could ask her to do anything and like we were comfortable with each other but like i'd always have like one muse that just all of my pictures would be of and when yeah. i was younger when i was like i think 16 and i was doing photography for the first time I was photographing my friend and her mum, she was so sweet. She was like, oh, I really want to buy the photos off you. So we have like, like oh. they bought, bought them off me. And then I went to her house one time and there were just all these pictures of my friends like all around the living room. It was like a little shrine. I love, no, funnily enough, you say that my partner has that as well, his parents, like there's a little shrine of him. It's so oh. sweet. I love it. <laughs> but I do also, I, Oh, sorry, you go. No, 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 go on. I wasn't going to say anything interesting. <laughs> um, I do use myself as a reference sometimes. Like the other day, I was just, um, I'm working on a project at the moment with a, uh, a charity called Flow Haven based in uh, Nigeria. And they're fighting like period poverty, which really needs to happen. Um, and I was just like to my partner, I was just like, I'm going to go to the toilet and take some reference images. Like, don't judge me. <laughs> just like, sometimes you need to do these things. You need to get like, because there's no way you're going to find online like person sat on the toilet, you know? <laughs> well, I literally did like a picture of my friend like that because I was doing like, I can't remember what the theme was. It was something like sexuality and I can't remember, I was doing something about like reclaiming female sexuality and it not being like yeah. men objectifying women. So I'd like photograph oh. her in like unconventional positions. So I had her like photograph <laughs> on the loo, like just sitting on the loo, like looking down. Yeah. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing I've ever taken. But I love art like that though. I love stuff yeah. that like pushes boundaries and like is a bit grotesque. <laughs> oh, it's still my question, sorry. Right, so is, um, <laughs> I was wondering, like you draw mostly women in your work. Um, is there like a reason for that or is it just sort of coincidence? Oh uh, no, I'm, I, I love women. Like I love the strength that we hold and I love, um, well let's say women and marginalized genders as well. Like there's an umbrella term there. Like there's a lot of people that may, you know, like identify as women or non-binary people as well. But I, I just love the strength that we hold within us and yeah like i just love women i think they're amazing and i think they're so strong <laughs> i agree i'm often quite like resentful that i turned out like straight because i genuinely <laughs> i do like i just adore women like like all my friends yeah. and, girls, and i just i just think all women are beautiful genuinely i often like walk down the street and i'll just look at people and i'll be like i just want to run up to them and tell them that they're beautiful and strong <laughs> yes yes absolutely if you've watched any of our tiktok content um, we've done stuff about surrealism, which is my favourite art movement. Do you mm. have a particular favourite art movement? No, not particularly. I don't think so. That's not something that I've ever really thought about, to be honest. Naughty of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like whatever style inspires you, isn't it? Like, that technically every type style of art is like a movement, like even modern art, like there's probably loads of trends and things within modern mm. art. It's like a movement. I guess it just depends what you actually define as a movement. I guess like recently, like the big move, there's a Sarah movement has been like really, um, like I know that's particularly like, a, I don't know what kind of movement that would be called, but I've seen a lot of it like portrayed within art massively, like which has been really comforting to see. Um, and I think it's just been like very eye-opening for me and for what a lot of women have had to experience throughout their life. And I think that's what's like, 
made me comfortable within the fact that that's definitely like that that artivism again like being active within the art I think that's so important to my style and that's really something that I'm gonna like carry out throughout my like future with drawing how do you think being a woman affects like your position in the arts industry or have you faced any sort of discrimination or anything really to do with being a woman and being an artist or has it been quite happy I don't I think it's been actually a really good process so far to be honest like I haven't particularly um received any like discrimination of being a woman like in this art community because I think this community that I found myself in is so comforting and it like it includes so many different people like there's a lot of non-binary people that are in the community that I am within so I think like I found myself in a group of people that like completely uplift each other which is absolutely lovely considering I work in a corporate company as well um like the corporate company I work for the CEO is a woman um my manager's a woman like I I and yeah so I've I've been really really fortunate within the fact that I haven't faced that yet yeah um (laughs) but there definitely have been times within other jobs that I've worked in like hospitality and stuff like that where discrimination has taken place and um like sexual abuse and stuff like that has definitely been prominent uh, but within the artist world, it hasn't, which has been lovely. Like with online communities, when you find the right one, it is all like really like supportive and lovely and like fluffy. And like, I've yeah. never had any bad experiences online. But I think that like the main problem is probably like out in the real world, like in like kind of the galleries. Yeah. And it's not so much overt discrimination as it is like kind of subtle, like not displaying enough women artists in galleries, like not giving them a platform, like in the sort of prestigious art world and that sort of thing. So I think yeah, probably until you sort of enter the prestigious art world, like with yeah. stuff, maybe it's not as prominent and hopefully like online it will stay all like lovely and because it's so nice yeah. to have that support and have people you can talk to. Yeah, absolutely. It's that space where like, we can speak to each other and relate to each other and allow others to speak as well. It's so important. But I mean, I've only been in the art world for like three, four years. So there's a lot more for me to experience yet. So yeah, well, we look forward to seeing all of your work <laughs> and <becoming laughs> famous. I bet one day you'll be a famous artist and we'll be like, oh my God, yeah, we did a podcast with her. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> Which art pieces of yours are your favourite? Oh, is there a, a reason for one. it? Yeah, so do you know what? My most recent one, which is probably the most simplest of like all of my art that I've ever done. And it's literally a flower that has a sad face. And it says, you're not, it says something along the lines that like, if you're not okay today or tomorrow, that's okay. And like, I don't know when I was drawing that I feel like I was kind of speaking to myself like especially throughout this lockdown like there's been so much like I said so much pressure internally and externally to be a particular mood or to be a particular amount of productive and like I just got to a point where I was like I can't do this to myself anymore like I can't put so much pressure on myself to like feel a particular way or be doing particular things within a certain amount of time like it's just not feasible so yeah I think that piece because I find so much comfort in it and I know a lot of other people did as well I think especially at the moment it's nice to have an outlet to be able to kind of express like frustration and kind of feeling down and also like kind of reveling and feeling down not reveling that's probably the wrong word but like if you feel sad it's all right like you'll get up tomorrow and it'll be okay so what do you have in store for the future in terms of your artwork so upcoming competitions any giveaways challenges or things you're thinking of drawing oh yeah like I said I'm really working on inclusifying like my characters uh, I draw like I really want to start drawing like um disabled people and more like bi POC as well and non like non-binary people as well like I really want to touch into that and be able to like adapt my style to be able to draw people um but also like just working on my products like I've currently done um like prints and stickers but I want to go more down like textiles and doing like t-shirts maybe or something more niche than that like 
I don't know. But also, I've started a zine as well. So with my friend, I've got like oh, the, the soft stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like a space where we can tackle tough conversations, um, but in a comfortable space where both like the people who want to learn and the people who want to teach like are happy in that situation rather than like, I feel like a lot of marginalized groups right now are having to explain themselves and use a lot of energy to teach privileged people, which I think is so, so wrong and so like, energy zapping like I just don't it's so difficult to be able to find that middle ground where someone can learn and someone can educate so we're really trying hard to make a space where we can do that in a creative way and in an understanding and comfortable space um I think have you heard of Florence Given yeah um have you read her book yeah Oh, yeah, no, just because I was going to say, a lot of what you were talking about, about wanting to sort of diversify your illustrations and everything, she was talking about, like, very much similar themes in her book, because she's, I think, an illustrator as well, and she was saying she Mm. saw a lot of sort of, like, white, thin female women, and then she sort of realised that, you know, she wanted to be, like, more inclusive and incorporate body types and, like, different ethnicities and all that. But, yeah, no, you just reminded me of her when you were saying that. Yeah, it's such an important step to take I think and I think like the subject we're going to go into but I think it's something that you're very much influenced by like the people around you and how their success is happening and where it's coming from and I think you fall into this place of like if they're doing it if they're doing it so well and they're getting so much engagement surely if I do it like I'm gonna get that same um response but I think that really you lose your your authentic self that way so yeah that's what like I'm trying to do and with the soft approach hopefully we'll be able to. what yeah. you're saying there's interesting because that can be done on like a creative level and on a personal level like you see somebody who's like your age and is maybe doing yeah. something better for some marginalized people they might see somebody who's in their same group and is just doing a lot better and all of a sudden the, the bad feeling comes down so it's yeah interesting that you're saying stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's so and like that comparison that takes place like it's just like you know with the same people we're doing the same thing but like why is that one person doing a lot better than me and it's just like you you never know you never know what may happen in the future and and just because they're like getting a little bit more engagement or getting a little bit more like I don't know like attraction that does not mean that you're any less like you're still beautiful like inside and out and I think that's so important to remember and something that has switched in my brain within the last few weeks. In our next segment, our artist, Sasha, offers up a woman that inspired their art and puts them into our Hall of Fame. So, who have you picked to go into the Women's Workshop Hall of Fame? So, it's uh, B Illustrates, who is a non-binary queer illustrator. They are absolutely amazing. Um, Their initial post that, like, dragged me towards their page was actually about mental health and it said like normalized speaking about mental health and so much of their feed I just relate to so strongly and I feel like it's such like I was saying earlier it's such comfortable space to be able to have such amazing conversations but also like the art is so strong like when you look at it you feel so comforted and that's something that i really inspired to create and i just think that they do it in such an incredible way um so yeah i think they're amazing and i'm so glad that i came across their page <laughs> is there anyone else who inspires your art i know you mentioned a few others before do you want to speak about them yeah there's so many so i've also got a friend who i was saying that um that I've, a lot of them are people that I know. Like, I feel like that's been like really like inspire, inspire changing. Can that, is that a thing? It can be a thing, we can make it a thing. That can be a thing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think like my friend Tala, I've recently met online. We met like in lockdown and like learning about where she's come from. So like she, she's, she's like from uh, she's been to like Syria and she's been to like Barcelona lived in a lot of different places and being able to speak to someone where like has experienced a lot of different things and obviously that I have has been really eye-opening for me and really inspiring as well like I think it's so important to learn about these things and understand like 
our different types of privileges and how they like feed within our life and our communities. Um, and yeah, uh, India Moore is amazing. Like they're incredible. I don't know if you've watched Pose. Of course I've watched Pose. It's no, part, of the, it's part of the rules of being trans. You have to watch Pose. Pose is, Ella, you have to watch Pose. What is it? <laughs> so Pose is about um, Afro-American drag culture and the ballroom mm -hmm. culture and about how trans women and marginalized people started that sort of movement and basically it's about their lives and it's also got a lot to say about sex work and how dangerous but how it can be but also how um, liberating it can be for the person involved in it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I feel so yeah. tortured for not having watched that. Like that sounds well up my street. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. A lot of tears. A lot yeah. of tears. Why are you watching no, that? I'm not very watching good. that as well. You may as well add Paris's Bird into your list. Because Paris is burning <gasps> is is posed but as a documentary. So it's actually mm -hmm. real real people. And it broke me in several places when I was watching it yeah. because there's this What's one it? What is it? It's a documentary about the Afro American drag culture. Right. Um, <laughs> and there's this one storyline about a trans girl. Um and everything seems to be going well. She's talking about her life and how like how much she wants and like how everything's going to be positive once her surgery happens, once this happens. And then I'm not going to ruin it, but all of a sudden it just goes, and I was just oh. sat on my sofa crying. See, I cried so much for pose. Like I was a mess. I'm not very good with stuff like that. Cause I, I literally will cry at everything. Like I cry at every single episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> like I cry <laughs> at Disney movies. I cry at- I did cry at a D Disney movie the other day. I hold my hands up. Which I did one? it. I did it. The I new one. It? No, right. It's like oh, Raya and the lot. Oh, yes. Yeah. <gasps> oh, it's out. I oh cried. God, it was just so Jordan. I'm excited. <laughs> I actually genuinely love Disney movies. Like, I know I'm a grown-up, but I just love them. Like, I do appreciate, yeah. like, you know, problematic themes and stuff in Disney movies, which we, we won't get into, because that's a whole other topic for another day. But, like, I do just love them. They're just so comforting. I'm not having this I'm an adult stuff. I had this argument with somebody in uni. I was watching The Lion King, <laughs> and they were like, The Lion King, Disney's for kids. And I was just, cat's for horses, but you still fucking do it. That's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. I don't no, understand no, how anyone can not like The Lion King. Like, my boyfriend, Martin, doesn't, he thinks The Lion King is overrated. I'm like, have you seen the scene where Mufasa dies? And also, just a quick fun fact I found out the other day, the scene where Scar is in his cave, like with the little skull, it's Mufasa's yeah. skull. Whoa. So I found this out because if you look up what a lion skull looks like, it looks exactly like what he's holding. And no other animals in the wild eat lions apart from other lions. Oh, wow. So, yeah, just to bring the mood down a bit. <laughs> yeah. Have you watched any Studio Ghibli movies? All, I've got a Totoro tattoo on my ankle. I love all of them. I've seen them. I've got no face on my arm. <laughs> oh, I just, I love them all so much. Like, I was so sad when Hayao Miyazaki, like, retired. Although I don't know if he has retired. He keeps saying he's going to retire and then he doesn't. I know. I think, yeah, I think he's doing a couple of things. But have you, have you got any of, have you seen, like, the Art of books? No. I've seen them in charity shops and I've gone, I should pick that up and just walk past it. Hang on. Where did you get that? You didn't just get them online. Oh, they're so, oh my God, it's so beautiful. So pretty, isn't it? While we're on the subject of Studio Ghibli films, I have a controversial opinion. Oh no, oh no. My favorite Ghibli film is Princess Kaguya. <gasps> no, that's amazing. Yeah, the thing is, I appreciate the artistic value of it. I think it's beautifully drawn, but I didn't really enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the other films, if I'm 100% yeah, honest. Yeah, it's very clever. The story very... is, like, very based on a mythology story as well. Like, um, I, like, love their religion. It's, like, Shintoism, and, like, a lot of their, like, mythology stories is, like, inf influenced... Well, Studio Ghibli is influenced by those stories. But yeah, that's like one of the ones that is like very, very based on it. And yeah, I agree with you, Amy. It's a great film. <laughs> I think 
I like I'm very basic like my favorite well it's a toss-up between Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle because Spirited oh, of Away, course yeah Spirited Away was the first one I ever watched and I just fell in love with it it's just so like beautifully written and how like I'm sorry but like how like yeah honestly I've never been <laughs> in love with a cartoon character he's so beautiful yeah my favorite's Wind Rises I love that one really that's oh my god see i'm i have the controversial opinion here because i did like princess kaguya but i didn't think it was the best and the wind rises i don't know i wasn't 100 percent won over by it i found i don't really I like love that like i found it a little bit slow yeah see i really like that yeah but, I quite like that as well the one thing yeah. i didn't like about it was like you know how in studio ghibli movies there's never any reference to like like kissing or like sex oh yeah like yeah wind rises there's that scene and i remember watching him being like oh, i was still like when i watched this and i watched <laughs> it and like, oh my god like that's a sexual situation <laughs> i also really like um is it when marnie came uh when marnie <gasps> yes. came when Marnie was that's home. so oh. good that is like and a lesbian Hill, that's a good one. Oh my goodness you've actually listed all the ones are my least favorite ones i feel so bad right like <laughs> would have to be spirited away how's moving castle uh, i really like the cutesy ones like kiki's delivery service yeah that's super cute um what other ones oh uh laputa castle in the sky <gasps> yeah that's beautiful oh. And a really underrated one is um, is it Nausicaa? Nausicaa? Oh, the first one. Yeah. I, yeah, that is really that good. One. It was it's like yeah. so beautiful, and oh yeah, I loved it. But I could just honestly binge all the Studio Ghibli movies in one sitting. Like they're just so amazing. So <laughs> I, calming. So calming. I really want to go to Japan to the Studio Ghibli Museum. Yeah, it's a massive dream of mine. Like, just to go to Japan, like, in this time as well. Could you imagine? Oh, it just be so beautiful. They're meant to do a Studio Ghibli theme park. They were, well, they said 2020, which was, like, four years ago. They said I saw this. So I'm like, are they actually building it? Or is it just, like, a, is it just like a promotion ploy? Because I'm not seeing oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> imagine a no-face haunted house. <gasps> Oh, that would be amazing. That would be so... If No Face gave you a coin, would you accept it? I think I would. Mm, yeah, maybe one. No, actually, yeah, no. I'm one. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's such a good, like, metaphor, though. Like, I love all the metaphors he puts into it, like, about, like, greed and yeah. gluttony and wealth. and But there's so much, like, darkness. If you peel back all the layers of all the films, there's yeah. so much, like, really deep, dark themes in there. Like, Grave of the Fireflies, that's a, that's a deep one. I've never watched it. I've never watched it because never my ride. friend told me it was devastating and heartbreaking. It is. It is heartbreaking. Same, same reason. So I watched, it's not Ghibli, but The Brave Little Toaster and The Iron Giant, and they both fucking broke me. The Iron Giant. What's that? What's the one about the toaster? That's The Brave Little so Toaster. Cool. So a family move house and they leave all their appliances behind and the appliances end, end up getting like clinically depressed and travel across <laughs> America to move back in with the family and there's a horrific oh God, scene there's a horrific scene in a um junkyard and it's these ca the cars getting picked up by a crane and because they're like anthropomorphized it's just the cars getting murdered and <laughs> it scarred the living oh. shit out of me so i can't watch stuff like i can't watch stuff that's too emotional that's Same with yeah, okay. the iron giant fucking broke me that was devastating but to be fair it did have quite a happy ending like ish yeah. <laughs> sort of <laughs> but the brave little toaster one great name i love that name and two, i love that it like it reminds me of this really sad children's story that my mum used to read me when i was younger and it was about it's such a sad story it was about this girl who had all these toys that she never played with and her mum was like you need to give them away to like the charity down the road and she didn't give any of them away so in the middle of the night they all got up and like left her and like they all marked down to like the children's hospital, which I get like what the moral was, but then I got really scared. I was like, what if I'm not giving my toys enough attention? And they're gonna leave. Are they leave? <laughs> I slept in fear every night thinking they're gonna wake up, like I'm gonna wake up and they're not gonna be here. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to light them up. So if they moved, I'd notice. <gasps> yeah, I always used to try and like catch and move them. Yeah. Same. I used to have loads of those little like beanie, beanie 
Babies. I think they were called Beanie Babies. Oh yeah, I remember those. Yeah. And I used to like like strap them in a little harness out of like a Tesco bag, and then I used to like throw them out the window and they used to parachute to safety. Those That's beanie- honestly a great idea. <laughs> those Beanie Babies could be worth shitloads now, you know. People yeah. Have, like some people have like thousands of like all in like perfectly stored containers. But then they sell, yeah, they sell for loads on like eBay and stuff. Like I can imagine people having some like. There's one called Halo the Bear, which is worth seven and a half grand. <gasps> but like, what are you? What do you do with it? Seven grand on yeah. a bear, and like it's in mint condition, so you're probably gonna keep it in a tiny little plastic container. What joy? <laughs> I couldn't do with that. If it's, if it's a toy, you've got to play with it. Yeah, exactly. Same yeah. with comic books. If you've got to read, you've got to read a book. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, right, anyway, I think um, we should move on to our... No, no, go on. There will be a reel going up on Instagram full of stuff that Sasha's mentioned, his, the artist that went into the Hall of Fame, and bits of Ghibli stuff as well, so keep an eye out for that on Insta. So moving on to the big question of the evening. Um, so Sasha, you've chosen to talk about the pressure of Instagram and how it can affect the quality and inclusivity of art. Is that right? That is right, yeah. So do you just want to tell us a little bit about it, like how you became interested in it? Yeah, so I think like it was a conversation that I started having within the community that like, I spoke about earlier. And I think through lockdown, like having the, the amount of time to be able to like, it's assess like what you're putting out to the world and how people receive it and how they engage with it was like a massive thing that I began to do and when I was like kind of turning this work out and maybe not receiving the engagement that I'd like or previously kind of expected or had um it obviously like I got really upset about it and it got me down and it got me thinking about how unimportant that can be sometimes like we think it's really important because I think, like I was saying earlier, a lot of businesses now are based on social media for that exposure. I think we started off for the exposure. I was trying to kind of think about it, but like the best way that I could explain like to my friend what I was thinking is like Instagram's kind of like a funnel. So like we start at the top and we go into our funnel, like, you know, the mo- our most authentic self, like, like I was saying like I used to post like just like little drawings of my days and then as I started to learn what like people were doing so well and how they were doing so well I think like I just subconsciously started to tailor my style to match that and to kind of like I mean I don't know maybe try and get the same engagement or try and get the same like audience I suppose And yeah, I think that's like how you end up like tailoring yourself and what you create. And like, I was speaking, I was having a conversation with my friends before this. um, And like one thing that like really stuck out to me is that like, I said like we'd lessen our quality for the quantity as well. So you feel like you have to create so much, like churn all this work out. And it's like, that's impossible. Like the content that us creatives make take out like takes hours it takes so much time for you to create and once it's out there like anything can happen with it you know like it's like it's just there (laughs) that's all it is it's just there and yeah I think that's one thing that I just realized throughout these last weeks and I was just like do you know what I want to go back to the top of that funnel I want to go back to where I was when I started this process and I just want to be me again like I want to make the art for me again like as much as I love my audience seeing it, I love my audience. I'm so grateful for the audience that I've got. But like at the end of this, the day, the art is for me. Like it is what I want to show and what I want to put out into the world. Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about quality and quantity because lots of um, artists do fall into a habit of ending it with dead profiles because they don't. Yeah. Um, give out as much like one of my favorite youtubers makes a video every like month and they've been hemorrhaging subscribers because of it but the videos are always insane quality because they're so good so there's finding the happy middle ground for artists and creatives so you need to have the best quality but still keep people interested in you yeah yeah 
Well, there's this uh, podcast I listen to. Um, it's not really art related. It's about Celtic myths and legends. But she's mm-hmm. called Sean Powell. I'll do a shout out to her if anyone's listening. Um, yeah. But she only does one like literally once every two months or something because she works full time and she's really busy. But everyone mm-hmm. always listens to them because they're such good podcasts. Like they're so informative and they're so interesting to listen to. And I think when you do stay authentic to yourself like as much as you can it does pay off because i think people can tell when something's authentic and they enjoy it more because it's an expression of you yeah yeah absolutely you're so right and i think like as soon as you start like tapping back into that as well you you'll create your best work anyway because you'll fall in love with it like and you'll enjoy your process like and instead of like having to keep up with what everyone else is doing like i definitely felt like I was falling into that like I was watching what everyone else was doing before I would start creating my new post I really don't like that like personally for my process I just don't think that's the best way to go because I can't like I can't take too much pressure I can't do that like I can't churn out loads of work that I first of all don't relate to and second of all don't enjoy drawing like that's just not why I'm doing this I'm drawing because I love it so I want to draw things that I love and that are important you've got a second side to the trend tracing as well because if you trace a chase a trend (laughs) and then it suddenly stops stops and then there's a double-edged sword it's like maybe it's not the trend maybe it's me and that you end up up questioning yourself and it's uh, absolutely and you can fall into a niche that you maybe don't relate to like i did like i fell in to drawing white pretty skinny woman (laughs) and like i i'm not interested in that personally like that's not something that i like to see i like to see different body types and like people of color and trans women and trans men like i love seeing that i love like inclusifying my feed and like definitely something to touch on here is like making sure your feed is so inclusive as well because it just inspires you in so many different ways than it would otherwise like i think once you once you create that community you're really bound to like inclusify your artwork as well which widens it into like such a big world which is so beautiful and important so i think that's another important thing that like if ever like any artist was listening to this like i would definitely suggest to do and it's something that i've done over the last few months like like i said i'm really early on in my journey and i will acknowledge that like like there was a couple posts that i done and I would look back at and I'd be like, oh, like, I wish I'd done this different or I wish I'd done that different. But like one thing that I say is like my art has to grow with me. Like there is no way that my art can preempt my growth before I grow, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think how you talk about art and sort of trying to fit in with trends and stuff is very much how I view like meeting new people. <laughs> so that doesn't mean yeah. us, but basically I feel like when I meet new people, I feel like you're always trying really hard to sort of like be liked and like fit in and like you might like talk more than you usually do you might be quieter than you normally are but I think just like accepting that like you're okay how you are like you don't have to be the loudest person in the room you don't have to be the quietest person in the room like just do what you want to do and I think people generally gravitate towards you more when you do just sort of stick to what you're doing because they can tell that you're comfortable with yourself you're comfortable with what you're doing and at the end of the day it's no one else's fucking business so yeah you're so right <laughs> absolutely own your flaws because they're your flaws they're part of you and you need to be proud of yourself a hundred percent like that is one i think that's another thing that like really switched like i i there's like a person in my life that's recently entered it and they've experienced a lot of things like they lived in like the uae and they've had like a divorce and things like that and now and like the way that they would speak about things was so passionate and like even if it was something that maybe half of the room wouldn't agree with like they just wouldn't give a shit like they just would not care they would own it and i did say to them one day i was just like what would you say to a woman my age like what what is the one thing that you'd tell me or advice that you'd give me to take throughout my life and they said even if something you said was wrong or something you said was right just fucking own it own it because then like you're owning it you're acknowledging it like if it's wrong and you look back at it and you're like shit that was wrong like at least you're owning it then you're not denying it and if it's right and you own it like that's great you're owning it like you've got the confidence to believe in yourself and know that what you said was right so 
I think that's really important that you said that, Amir, that you've just got to own it. Yeah, I think we are sort of programmed to feel quite a lot of guilt. Like, I've always felt loads of guilt growing up. You know, if, like, I said, like, I was bitchy when I was younger, maybe, or I said something that, like, I regret saying. And I'd always say, like, even now, like, I'll think about it and be like, oh, my God, like, what a horrible little person I was. But, you know, like, you'll think of certain things and you'll just beat yourself up for it. But at the end Mm. of the day, like, it's part of what sort of made you who you were. Like, you recognise now that that was wrong. It's the same as sort of history. Like, history informs as to how we can be better and how we can improve and how we can be inclusive today. Exactly. Like, if we didn't have those things to reference to, we wouldn't be having the important conversations that are taking place now. Like, we, you know, we need those things to look back to and say, this is how we do it better. Like, this is how we improve from that and grow from that. And I like, I'm starting to learn how important that step is, like, back in the past. Like, I'm sure in about 10 years' time, I'll probably be looking at this like, Sasha, you dick. Like, you could have done this. <laughs> but... Like, it's so important to have that moment in time to reference back to. And that, a lot, like I said, with my art, like, I'm so lucky to have that physical form to reference back to. Like, I'm very lucky to have that because I, I can know what headspace I was when I, I was in when I drew that or like how I was feeling or why I wanted to draw that particular aspect in that particular place. Like, it's so nice to have that as a reference and then be like well this is where I want to be like in three weeks time or four weeks time like it's so nice to be able to have that and I'm so appreciative of that. I think um, unless anyone else has anything to say should we move into our outro? Yeah. So um, firstly could you just like summarize all your socials like where can people find you? So on Instagram it's Mystic Illustrations and on Etsy, um, you can purchase some bits if you'd like to treat yourself. Um, it's Mystic Illustrations as well. Um, currently, they're the only two socials that I'm on, but if there are any artists listening to this that ever want to contribute to a zine as well, The Soft Approach is currently on Instagram too, and we're gonna be opening submissions soon. Well, thank you so much for coming on this interview. It's lovely to speak to you about your work and Ghibli and a billion other tangents that we went on. <laughs> it was so much fun. I loved it, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, so let's just, adver- we'll just advertise us now. <laughs> so you can find us on at the women's underscore workshop on Instagram. We also have a Twitter. What's our Twitter handle, Emmy? It's at women's work underscore shop. You can also, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you've found it somewhere. So if you're watching on YouTube, it's also on Spotify. If you're, watching, if you're listening on Spotify, you can watch it on YouTube. Ella, where can we find you on social media? Just you. Not oh, the- right. You can find me at ellajasmine.samuel, I think. I'm pretty sure that's my handle. Um, I also have an art Instagram, which is Ella Unusual, but I haven't used it in a while, so there might be some weird stuff on there. But... Um, anyway, also, uh, I lastly just want to reiterate the ugly art competition that we've got going on. Uh, if anyone does want to enter, all you have to do is post the ugliest piece of art that you can make and tag me um, at the women's underscore workshop and uh, Quirky Buns, who's co-hosting it with us. So that's Q-U-I-K-Y-B-U-N-S, Quirky Buns. Uh, and if you win, you will get a beautiful pair of ugly earrings. When I say ugly earrings, I mean they're beautiful, but like beautifully ugly creations. And you can find me at Amy Midi on Instagram and on Twitter because Ella didn't let me get that in. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Right. Okay. Well, uh, oh, last thing. So the website launch, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, is on the 7th of April. Uh, So we'll have all of our artists up on there, uh, linking out to all their Instagrams and Etsy shops. Uh, We'll also have some blogs, some research resources, and we'll be putting all of our podcasts on there as well. So uh, we'll keep you updated. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, Thank you, Sasha, for joining us. And uh, goodbye. Goodbye.